It's a lot of people for dead period. It's usually like everybody goes to Florida during dead period. I heard Florida's twice as much money now, though, so if you're like me, you're second-guessing those trips to Florida. So we, uh, we we're so glad you're here this morning. Um, uh, I want to start out just by kind of sharing a little bit about my week, uh, if that's okay. Um, you know, I... I don't, I don't always talk about these things, but uh, and I'm not supposed to get too detail-oriented when I do talk about these things, so I'm very careful when I share them. Um, but I, I went, uh, it just in light of kind of the events that happened at the end of the week within our nation and stuff, I just, I just felt like I could not say anything. And just so, I, I guess I just felt led to share kind of personally kind of what I went through myself and kind of what I feel like I'm still going through. I think I'm still processing um, you know, but uh, the Roe v. Wade stuff obviously happened on Friday. Uh, the odd thing for me, I guess, it, and and I, I can't not, I don't know, I can't not tie these things together, is Thursday afternoon, I spent Thursday afternoon, um, I was uh, getting ready for uh, one of my daughters to have like her class party uh, at the shop. They wanted to hang out that night and one of the kids was moving away or whatnot and so uh, I was getting ready for that and then I get, I get a phone call. Uh, from one of our from one of our firemen, and uh, he says, uh, <clears throat> you know, we've we've been to an incident. This doesn't happen very often, by the way. Uh, I, I do. I am the chaplain for our fire department, but it doesn't happen very often that they call me. And uh, he said, you know, we've been to an incident. It's not a good incident. Uh, we could really use your help if you want to. If you've got time. And so I, I ducked out of uh, <laughs> right right before all these kids are about to show up at my shop. I was like, um, okay, I guess I'm going to leave. And so uh, I went to be with, our, be with uh, some of our folks that are first responders. And, uh, and basically they had been to the scene of a, of a, of a, a baby, uh, just a, a few weeks old baby, uh, several weeks old baby, um, who didn't make it. And so uh, as you can imagine, anytime, and, and they would say this, uh, anytime children are involved in situations like that, I mean, it just absolutely just you know, just grips you, grabs a hold of you. And so uh, I spent a good while, a couple hours, I think, with them talking, and uh, we cut up and we cried, and uh, uh, we hugged each other and all those things, tried to encourage them with scriptures and uh, all those things, and I, I'm glad we got that time together. Uh, and then, um, and so then I went to the party, you know, played like everything's okay. And then the next morning, Roe v. Wade happened. And, uh, and then uh, I was on social media for a little bit and just immediately saw people just starting to fight. And I was just like, God, I can't stand it. And I just shut it off. And uh, I want to say this. We can disagree with people and we can still love each other. You know? And, and I, I know I know we have people within our church who don't, don't feel the same way that I feel about that particular subject. I, you, remember, you remember when you were growing up in school, and you remember the kid who thought that Megatron was the best Transformer? You know what I'm talking about? And just, and just like looking at that kid and being like, what, are you, what planet are you from? You know? And I thought, I thought that kid was crazy. And I'm like, Optimus Prime is, way, this is definitely the best Transformer. What, it's like not even a thing. Like it's written that, that way like everybody knows. He's the man. Like Megatron can never beat him, you know, kind of thing. Uh, anyway, I digress a little bit there. But uh, the point being, the point being that, you know, 
kid that thinks Megatron's better than Optimus Prime is wrong. You know, I, my, if I've got an opinion about something, I usually think it's right, right? And if you've got an opinion about something that differs from my opinion, you think it's right too, right? And we, we can still love each other. And, and that means this. I, I'm not talking about just people within the church. Because I think it's easy probably to love the people just within the church that we may differ in opinion with. But, but let, me, let me just be, let's just be reminded. And I feel, I feel led to really say this. This has been kind of the thing that's been on my heart above all. Is that we, we, you and I, are the ones, we, we are the ones that are called to be light into this world. And if, and if our stance is going to be we'll gloat or we'll throw something in somebody's face and you're wrong and you're stupid and you're, you know, forget it, you know. The kid who thinks Megatron's best, he needs friends too, okay? That's probably a terrible example. I don't mean to. But I, I, think, I think it's easy in this culture, and especially with social media, which I think is the dumbest place to try to talk about that stuff. The dumbest. If you look at my social media, it's stupid stuff most of the time. That are like my family or, you know, whatever. Um, and that's kind of on purpose now because I just finally learned, you know what, it's not the place to have real conversations. Real conversations happen between people in real-life scenarios in person. So I encourage you toward that and I encourage us as a church that we would have those conversations with love and care and understanding and all those things and, uh, and that we could hug each other too. And I think that'd be good. And, and I felt led for us to pray over it. So I, I, think, I think it'd be good for us to pray. Let's, let's pray right now as we, as we get ready to get in the Scriptures. God, we come to you as a church today and we ask that you would lead us to be people who are your light into this world. God, not people who are just right. Lord, we, we know that we have your truth, and we, we are doing our best, Lord, and we pray that you would help us to do our best to understand your truth as it, as it pertains to the things around us and in this world and all those things. God, I, just, I pray for some unity within our country. I pray for our country. I pray for our nation. I pray for our leaders. God, I pray that you would intervene however you see fit. God, we are reminded that our hope is not here. And God, we are reminded, Lord, that there's so much more to your plan. And God, we just, we long for that. Uh, we long for you to send Jesus again. And God, as we even talk about that today, God, I just pray that we would be reminded of that and our hope would be in that. And our hope would be in you and not in the things of this world and not in us being right. But God, I pray that you would use us to be, uh, Lord, your loving disciples, Lord, that, that people would know you because they know us. God, ultimately, that's what we want, and we know that's what you've called us to. God, use us for that. Be glorified in us, in all things. Lord, use us. Care for us. Watch over us. Protect us. Guide us. We ask all these things today in your son's name. Amen. All right. Now I'm going to preach. Let's go to 1 John. If you've got a Bible, pull it out. We're going to 1 John together. We're in this series the Word of Life, where we're walking through the letters of John, uh, and we're in 1 John currently. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, they'll be glad to bring one. Just throw your hand up, wave it around, 
and uh, let them know that you need it. If you don't own a Bible, you can have that one. We'd love for you to take it with you. First uh, John chapter 3 uh, is where we're going. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I have had many jobs over the years. Uh, I always, always find it interesting, like, get in the conversation of jobs that people have had, you know, especially people I know, uh, and just to find out, you know, little, little tidbits of information. It's fun, isn't it fun, like, finding out little tidbits of information about people like you would just never dream, you know, being the case that you guys that are in first service missed out a couple weeks ago when I used my Flavor Flav illustration from Public Enemy, uh, that in the second service I actually pointed out one of the people that was here in the service who uh, had heard their first concert was a public enemy concert. And I'll just, I won't tell you who it is, Nancy Johnson, but <laughs> don't you love like little tidbits of information like that you could have, you could have never like, what? Like right now, some of you are like, what? What? Right? So good. So good. Uh, and so anyway, uh, but I love, I love finding out about like people's jobs that they've had over the years. You know, I've had all kinds of crazy jobs. Uh, I started out farming and I went from farming to working at a record label. Uh, I did that for several years, enjoyed the music business for a little while. And, uh, you know, but I, I've gotten to do all kinds of things, machine shop, DJ, working at a bowling alley, uh, you know, restoring junk, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and of course, getting to be a student pastor and a pastor and a few, few other things in between. You know, one of the things that I think that we see in this passage here, uh, and I got to thank Danny Aiken as I was uh, reading some of his commentary and stuff, he did the outline on, on this passage, uh, you know, was too perfect for me to basically not steal it and use it. Uh, and so I give credit where credit is due. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, th- th- what we see in this passage is we see that Jesus had many jobs, you know, and, and I don't even know that this passage is necessarily like the, here's all of Jesus's jobs, but we have, we have three specifically that we're going to see in the passage here today. Uh, and I want us to look at this together. Of course, we've been walking through this, you know, and I, and, and if you've missed out on a week, you can go back and catch up on the podcast or, uh, uh, Facebook or I don't know, we got SoundClouds and iTunes and whoop-de-woos and I don't know what else. But anyway, uh, you know, all these things, you can, you can catch up if you've missed one. But, but this week we're, we're hitting 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. I want to go ahead and get started. We're going we're gonna to stop after a couple verses and we'll talk about it and we'll do that again and again. Uh, but here we go, 1 John 3, verse 4, and it says this. It says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So this passage John is he's he's kind of nose diving into sp- specifically starting especially with this issue of sin and he's already been kind of talking about this you know he's been he's been circling the wagons on this and we and we know we've talked about this that John is very repetitive uh, he is purposefully repetitive uh, where we see him over and over kind of hitting some of the same things and and saying some of the same things over and over uh, I think that's for us to pay attention to. And, and, I, and I know that it is, and again, we talked about this way back in the beginning of the series, but you know, when John was writing this, 
You've got to remember, historically, it was at a time when there was a lot of people that were talking about Jesus, and they were applying Jesus to basically their made-up religions. So they'd have like their basically own world religion, and we're going to throw a little dab of Jesus in there with it, you know? But it wasn't like the biblical Jesus. It wasn't like Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Savior of the world. It, it, you know, it was, you know, oftentimes Jesus was a good guy, he was a prophet, you know, whatever it may be. They were acknowledging that he came and kind of piggybacking off of the hipness of the moment of people being excited to know more about Jesus. And so literally they'd just be making stuff up about Jesus. John, in writing these letters, a, a big portion, I really feel like, of him writing these letters was him trying to just like drive home how important it is that we know the truth about Jesus and who Jesus is and why he came and all these things. So he's literally spelling some of this stuff out and, again, being repetitive so that those folks over there that kind of doing their own thing or whatever, you know, couldn't say, oh, well, I, you know, we didn't know. No, we know. We have, you know, the life of Christ here uh, to go by in the passage. In fact, let's go back to, to verse 4 here. It says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So, so right here we have... Um, we have uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of a, an interesting thing. You know, he's, he's taking the word sin and the word lawlessness, and he's saying these are the same. This is the same thing, which uh, when I hear the word lawlessness, for some reason, like all I can hear in the back of my head is breaking the law, breaking the law, you know. I don't know. But anyway, um, but that, that's, that's, that's what he's trying. That's what he wants us to think about. Maybe not the song, but he wants us to think about specifically that when we are in sin, we are turning our back on our king and saying, I have a better way. That's, that's in a nutshell what sin is. It is us choosing to not follow. Now, we, we're not consciously always thinking that way. We, we know that, right? We, we understand that, you know, a lot of times we're struggling in a moment or whatever, and we just kind of, you know, we fall into something or whatever it is. But but the truth is, is that sin is, especially habitual sin, is, is the act of basically turning our back on God and saying, you're not my king, and I am rebellious against you, and I'm going to do my own thing, because I think my way's better. And we're saying that to the guy who created us, and he knows what's best for us, and he loves us, which is ridiculous but that's what we do. So here, he is bringing about this, this understanding and this importance for us uh, to really pick up here, you know, what Christ has come, as he starts talking about in verse 5, go ahead and jump into verse 5, it says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So right there we have the first of the things the first of the Jesus jobs that we have in this passage of Scripture that we're reading together. I'm going to read it again. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. So we've got a twofold thing there. Number one, we're getting information about one of the reasons in which why Jesus came, and that was to take away sin. 
So this is the work of the cross. This is the work of an empty tomb. This is the gospel. This is what we rest everything we've got on. we're, We're all in. All chips on the table are in on this one thing that we believe wholeheartedly that God the Father sent his son to die on a cross to take the death that we deserve for our sin because we understand that sin has a penalty and that penalty is death and that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. It's a level playing field around here. Nobody's better than anybody else, right? We're all sinners and we all need a savior. And so here, John's like rolling that up into a statement. (laughs) You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. Well, this is contrary to what a whole bunch of people were teaching about Jesus at that point in time. And then he goes on and he throws in there, he says, and in him there is no sin. And folks, that, that's, a, that's a point of theology, that's a point of our doctrine that is so important for us to understand and know. Like this, this is what makes Jesus the one, okay? This is what makes it makes it where we can trust in Christ that his sacrifice on the cross, this is what made him the sacrificial lamb, that there was no sin in him. So important for us to understand that. So important for us to understand that. And John is, you know, obviously he's putting these things together. And it reminds me, of 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm just going to jump into 2 Corinthians 5.21. And it's this. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is not because we deserve it. That is not because we went to church enough. That is nothing to do with any of those things. Right? It is because God loves us and he wanted to make a way for us to be complete, to find purpose in him, all these things of the gospel, Jesus, cross, empty tomb. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I read verse 5 again out of 1 John 3. And what's it say? You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. And he wanted wanted people to understand the theology behind that. That if Jesus was just a regular guy and he came and he sinned, let's say, let's say, you know, he he sinned, you know, when Satan was, you know, tempting him on the tempting him, you know, way on the mountain or whatever it was, or you know, some other time. I mean, it'd all be off. It wouldn't work. He had to be the perfect sacrificial lamb. He, it, it had to be. He had to be fully God, fully man at the same time. Verse 6, it goes on. And in verse 6 it says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now, I'm, I'm going to say something about this passage here, right? Something, something that's going on in this passage that I think is super important that John is trying to do is that John is really trying his very best to lovingly warn us. He's trying to lovingly warn us. 
And the warning here is, is that if your life is okay to keep on sinning, like you just you know that there's these huge pieces of your life that you've just you've just been like, no, that's who I am, and I'm just gonna keep doing that. You know, whatever that may be for you, that John is warning us, this is a sign that you are not a child of God. Now, this, this will come more clear in the passage. And he's lovingly doing this, but he's doing so because he loves us. You know, so like God using John to pin this, number one. Number two, that the Lord, you know, has a hand in this, and it's a part of his word, is, is huge. And again, I'll read it. It says, no one who abides in him, no one who abides in Christ, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And so, you can call yourself a Christian all day long. But standing in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. And John is giving this warning because he doesn't want people to fool themselves as Satan wants us to do at times. He wants us to be real with where we are with the Lord. Now, he'll get into more of this in just a minute. But you know, the understanding here is that we are to abide in Christ. And, and here's, the, here's the truth for my life. I can, I can speak to this. It, John, first of all, isn't saying that we as Christians will never sin. We've already covered that. He's covering it again here, okay? Uh, and he covers that earlier in the book. What he's saying here is that continual habitual sin is a problem and it usually points to the fact that this is someone who may not know Jesus. John here is talking about us abiding in Christ. I know in my life personally, when it comes to the days when I am pursuing Jesus, I see things so much more differently. When I'm truly pursuing the Lord. When I'm truly pursuing the Lord, I see, op- I see opportunities differently. I see you know, phone calls, you know I mean? Uh, differently, what, whatever it may be uh, that's going on. And, and just in those moments, I see, oh, Lord, you, this is an opportunity. You want me to be a part of something here. You want me to pursue this here. You've, you, you know, and, and it's easy for us, I think, you know, and you say, oh, Chris, you're over-spiritualized. And, no, I don't, I don't think I am because I can tell on days when I'm not pursuing the Lord that I am more prone to fall into sin. It's just true. If we are abiding in Christ, we're not pursuing sin. Do we fall into sin sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, the, and the grace, the, the blood of the cross, and, and God's grace is good enough for that. Okay? But the idea that we would abide in Christ and live a life of sin, that like our life is about sin, whatever that may be, okay, you know, that's a problem. And it points us to things, and John is trying to warn us here. Verse 7, we'll go on here. Verse 7, it says this. It says, little children, and here's John again. He did this earlier in the passage. Remember that? He's kind of like kind of being a spiritual daddy. He's like, you know, little children. It's not, he's not 
you know, he's not God. He's just saying, hey, I want to teach you something. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Let's go back to verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. So, verse 7, uh, John is a couple things. He's, 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 again, we've got another warning here. You know, this is John trying to help, like, keep us in our lane. He says, little children, let no one deceive you. You know, I think, I think another, translation, another translation says, uh, don't let anyone lead you astray. I think we, I think we understand that. I think we, I think we get that. You know, and how easy it is for us to be, you know, swayed. Some, sometimes swayed by someone who supposedly loves Jesus. You know? Listen, some of the, some of the worst sinners in the world are like preacher's kids. Okay? I know. All right? I know this. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness as he is righteous. I'm sorry. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. So this is, it's, it's, again, this is, kind of a, this is kind of the fruit thing. We talked about this last week, about the fruit, you know, bearing fruit, and we see people's fruit, and we can tell where their hearts are. I know where people's hearts are. I was sitting down here earlier, you know, uh, just chit-chatting with one of the guys, and uh, he goes, hey, man, you got any pictures of any cool stuff you got lately? I was like, of course I do. So I was like, you know, opening the phone, we're flipping through pictures, I'm just showing like the stupid junk I've picked up recently, you know. I was like, you know, we, we tell on ourselves with what is important to us in this life. We do. We do. And whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. What's John, what John is saying here, he's like, he's like, if you see someone like truly practicing righteousness, it's because they're abiding in Christ. It's because they're pursuing their relationship with the Lord. Little children, let no one deceive you, he says. In verse 8, he goes on, he says, whoever makes a practice of sinning, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. I know it has a ring of the water boy, okay? It's like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You suddenly don't know who the water boy is, really? You know? My my mama says you are of the devil. I know. But the truth here is John is right, you know? And again, so he, he's, go, he's gone from, if you notice what he's doing here, he's gone from a situation of like, 
if you are practicing in sin, like your life is about sin, then you need to watch, you need to watch yourself like you may not know the Lord. To here he's saying, don't be led astray by one of these knuckleheads who also is not practicing righteousness, but their life is a practice of sinning. They're of the devil. He says, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And here we have job number two from the passage. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I don't know about you, but I love that. I mean, that's like tattoo worthy, you know. And it reminds me of this passage out of Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, we have this passage that says in verse 19, For though the law, I died to the law so that, uh, I'm sorry, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what this passage is not about? It's not about our rights. You, you realize that we as believers put ourselves under the authority of God and we say, it's not about our rights anymore. We're, we want to do what you are leading us to do. We want to do what you're calling us to do. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These are the kind of believers that we need walking the earth in 2022, okay? And, the, and these kind of believers, you know what they're not concerned about? They're not concerned about being right. Nice ringtone. feel a little Bill and Ted right now coming on. Um, I, I mean, I, I, just think, I just think it's so straightforward for us. But I mean, it, here, here's the truth. It's so straightforward, but we're so silly in our, you know, sinfulness, in our, in our <laughs> you know, in who we are that we just, we miss it. We don't mean to miss it. A lot of days. I, don't, I really think that. I really don't think we mean to miss it a lot of days. We just end up missing it. I'll read it again. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He bought me with a price. He bought me with a price. He brought, bought me with the blood. How beautiful the blood. Don't let anyone lead you astray. Verse 8, he goes into that, you know, the devil is a sinner. And then he goes on to, you know, the whole, you know, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I see in verse 8 this tagline. I'm going back to you know some of this what we've been talking about. He says, "Whoever makes a practice 
of sinning is of the devil. A practice of sinning. Again, this is not talking about somebody who knows Jesus, falls into sin from time to time. This is talking about someone who is pursuing sin as a major part of their life. They, they want it. They want, they not, they're not fighting it. it is, uh, there's a reason to be concerned. Reason to be concerned. We will all stumble. But this is speaking to a person who is running towards sin in their life. Verse 9. Verse 9 here it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. He ain't letting it go. You seeing this? It's a theme right here. Okay. <laughs> no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So, verse 9 no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Here we are with that practice of sinning piece again, right? And he says, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Now, it's interesting, the, the, the idea of the seed, God's seed being in him. I, I read a good bit about this, and like no one like really is like, this is exactly what, that, this is exactly what seed that is. Like, is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the salvation that we've received from Christ? Is it, you know, you know what, what, what is the seed? Is it, you know, God himself? You know, it, it, but it doesn't matter because all those things lead us to the same place. They lead us back to the Lord. If we are abiding in the Lord, they, they lead us back to the same place. It says, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. We have conviction. If, if we know Jesus is our Savior, we have conviction in our lives. It's that, it's that, you know, little, you know, voice, little gut feeling sometimes. It's like, mm-mm, no, no, you shouldn't do this. This is not good right now. You should probably, it's probably going to hurt you. It's probably going to cause destruction in your life because that's what sin does. Probably going to cause destruction in the lives of the people around you that you love because you're a part of their life, Right? He says, for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Have you been born of God? I hope so. I hope you have put your faith in Jesus and trusted in him. And he goes on in verse 10, it says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. By this is it evident. So here we're going back to the fruits, you know. You know, by their fruit we shall know them kind of thing, right? And, and you know, with that, with that whole fruit piece of that, you know, we talked about this last week, where there is fruit, there are roots. And wherever our roots are is where, what leads to our fruit, right? So if our roots are in this world then the fruit of our lives is this world, right? If our fruit is in Jesus, 
and we're abiding in him, our roots are in Jesus and abiding in him, then our fruit, boom, Jesus, God's love, caring for others, able to maintain relationships with people that you disagree with, right? Imagine that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Maybe you're one of those people that is just like, you know, I, I can't ever be a Christian. There's just no way. Because of all the stuff that I've done in my life, Chris, you just don't even know. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> I could introduce you to some bad folks who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. A bunch of them are here at our church. Some of them are pastors. Praise God. Praise God that his forgiveness and his love is for anyone, literally anyone, who would trust in him, believe in him, and receive him as their Savior. I would love to talk with you about that today, by the way. I'll be out there in the foyer as soon as I walk off the stage. And then after the service, I'll be wherever down here, if I make it back or whatever, you find me. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior. But I think that we need to see the power in that statement today. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is, this is what John is trying to get at here. He's trying to get at, you are not a slave to your, to your old self. You are not a slave to your sin. You have been set free. The work of the cross is enough to set you free. Quit running back to the things of this world which hurt you. Is it always easy? No, no, it is not always easy to do that. I get that. Habits are hard to break. Habits are also hard to make. And sometimes it's a matter of us trying to figure out what the old habits are and what the new habits need to be and just, you know what, I need to trade these for those kind of thing. And the Lord helps us in these things. But here John is saying, God's children have experienced a new birth. And God's children do not practice sin. I love this quote from Piper. And it says this. It says, Christmas is because God aims to destroy something. It is God's infiltration of a rebel planet Earth on a search and destroy mission. What was that mission? That mission was that God sent Jesus. Jesus came, Jesus searched out, and Jesus destroyed the works of Satan. Destroyed. Destroyed. Annihilated. Then we have verse 10. By this is evident who the children of God are 
and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let me, let me help give a little clarity to this. John is not picking on people who are not Christians, maybe yet, or whatever. John is specifically in this moment trying to help people who are trying to pursue Jesus. They're trying to figure out, am I a Christian? He's trying to help them determine if they really are Christians or not. That's, that's the point of like the bluntness of the passage. And here we have, of course, job number three of what Jesus came to do. And that's that Jesus came to clearly define who we as Christians are. He wants us to know. He doesn't want us to not know if we truly are believers or not. And today, you don't have to leave wondering if you're a believer or not. If God's speaking your heart, I don't care if you've been baptized ten times, you might still not be a believer. And if, and if that's the case, and God is tugging on your heart today, follow Him. Run to Him. Run away from the world and run to Him. This last part of verse 10, he goes on and says, Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And in that verse, again, John is giving an example of fruit that we see in someone's life who may not be a believer. At times we all struggle with loving somebody. We get that. John's saying here that if you are a believer, if you abide in Christ, you love your brother. This whole passage is really a wake-up call. It's really a wake-up call from John. And the truth is um, that what we see here in this passage is we see John speaking to uh, well, we, in, in the letters of John, we see John speaking to four different groups of people. And the first group is fully assured Christians, people that know without a doubt that they are believers. The second group are Christians that are struggling with assurance. Okay? And, and, and that might be you today. And that's okay if you are. Uh, but, you know, no. Like, let's land the plane on that. Like, you don't have to go through life wondering whether or not you are a believer. And then, and then thirdly, falsely assured non-Christians, and honestly, that's the group that he's speaking to in this passage today, is he's speaking to those that are probably not Christians, but they've been falsely assured that they are. He doesn't want them to stay there. He's throwing a warning their way and saying, I love you. Don't stay there. If God is knocking on your heart, then listen to that. And then the fourth, the fourth group is known not non-Christians. And again, I'll say this. I really do believe John's approach here is to kind of shock folks and wake them up to their true spiritual status. And that's why he's going through these things, you know, little bit by little bit, as he's trying to help us understand. He's not trying to make us feel bad. He's not trying to beat anybody up. It's not about any of that. God loves all of us. We are all His creation. And the truth is, is that we have all got the same opportunity 
to trust in Jesus as our Savior. The biggest question that you've got to ask yourself today is, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And if so, great, great. Live out these things that John has given us. Live out, you know, abiding in Christ, loving your brother. If not, and you find yourself maybe wondering, I'm not real sure, maybe it's time to really dig in on that. Pursue Jesus. Talk with somebody. I'm glad to talk with you. Glad to pray with you today. Jesus came, Jesus came to get work done on these three things. The greatest rescue of all time in us and our sin. To destroy the works of the devil and clearly define who we are as Christians. Those were, at least from John, the jobs of Jesus. We have jobs to do too. May we be a light in this world. May we be glorifying to who God is. May we point people to Him. May we make Him known in this world. And if we don't know Him, I pray that you would run to Him today. Today. Let's pray. God, you are way too good to us. Your mercy and your grace is absolutely amazing. And God, we thank you for it. God, we are reminded today of just how unbelievable you are in your approach at loving us, at caring for us, at what you've done through your son Jesus. God, thank you. And in the moments ahead, God, I just pray that you'd be glorified as we remember those things. God, for anyone that's struggling with whether or not you are their Savior today, God, I pray that they would talk to somebody today. God, I pray if you're tugging on their heart, God, I pray that they would listen. God, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your rescue in our lives. God, we know we need it. God, do the work that only you can do. Thank you so much for your willingness to come and work, to do work here in our lives, in our hearts, and in this world. Help us to do the same. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen.